Welcome to the Buddha Sasana Podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Austin, Texas. Today I want to take up the topic of name and appearance. I'll use the term name and form as equivalent to name and appearance. Name and form is actually a little bit more common in modern literature. Name and form refers both to the content of cognizance, that is, to the world out there as we experience it with all of its objects, and alternatively, to the cognitive processes themselves that produce that content. Earlier, a similar structure was attributed to the aggregates. The role of name and appearance as the outer component of contact is illustrated in this passage. So there is this body and outer name and form, thus this dyad. Dependent on this dyad, there is contact. There are just six sense spheres contacted through which, or through a certain one among them, the fool experiences pleasure and pain. Body here suggests his self. But the Chinese Samyutagama, equivalent to this Pali passage, makes the role of body a bit clearer. It begins, Within the body, there is this cognizance, and outside the body, there is name and form. Similarly to what has been described here, scholars have described name and form as cognizable content, as the structure of the cognitive system, as inner thought constructions projected onto an outer world, giving independent existence. However, this link is understood or misunderstood in many more imaginative ways than any other link in the chain. In fact, the expression name and form is found in the early pre-Buddhist Upanishads. At that time, this world was without real distinctions. It was distinguished simply in terms of name and forms. He is so-and-so by name and has this sort of form. So even today, this world is distinguished simply in terms of name and form. This is to say, name and form refers once again to the cognitively produced world of experience. A similar passage from the same Upanishad adds another component. Clearly this world is a triple reality, name, form, and action. The Pali word for name and form is nama-rupa, nama name plus rupa form, which is often translated mistakenly as mind and body or mentality, materiality. Although, as we will see, both name and form have both bodily and mental aspects. 
Form refers to sense-mediated forms and name to conceptualized or nameable things. Here, form seems to generalize to all of the sense fields beyond the visual. Name and form is most explicitly defined in the discourses by listing its component cognitive categories broken down into subcategories. Name is feeling, perception, intention, contact, and attention. Form is earth, water, air, fire, and derivatives thereof. Some overlap with the aggregates and with the sixfold sphere should be apparent. The initial oddity of this will be discussed presently. A notable difference, however, is that cognizance is absent in name and form. Nonetheless, cognizance is the directly conditioned link of name and form. We'll learn in our discussion of cognizance that name and form and cognizance are actually mutually conditioning. That is, cognizance gives rise to name and form, and name and form gives rise to cognizance. What I hope to show is that the following effectively represent cognitively equivalent processes. First, the aggregates. Second, the sixfold sphere. And third, name and form taken together with cognizance. Each produces cognitively the world of experience, but is described at a different level of detail. Name and form, in particular, takes the deepest, most dynamic look at the details of cognitive processing. Okay, name and form as the origin of the sixfold sphere. Let's look at name and form alongside the sixfold sphere and throw in the aggregates to see what is going on here. If we look at these three things, the five aggregates again are form, feeling, perception, formations, and cognizance. Name and form also begins with form, feeling, perception, continues with new categories of intention, contact, and attention, however, concludes with the upstream links of cognizance and formations. The sixfold sphere is simply form, I, and cognizance. I between form and cognizance fills the role in name and form of feeling, perception, intention, contact, and attention. Therefore, there's some equivalent between these three categories of the five aggregates of name and form and of the sixfold sphere. Cognizance and formations are the upstream links, once again, from name and form. And so supplement name and form in order to complete this correspondence. Name and form includes three factors not found among the aggregates, which could be classified under formations. What's most striking is the correspondence between I in the sixfold sphere and the name factors of name and form. Recall that the I is a probe, that is, it functions 
to read form and to produce cognizance of an object. We note that this is also the function of the name factors in name and form. They provide cognitive analysis of what appears in the sensual field, and cognizance arises as a result. Both name and form and the aggregates seem to leave the differentiation into the six senses and into their respective sense fields implicit, allowing rupa, visual form, and by implication the eye to stand in for each of the other senses. In short, name in name and form provides a more detailed epistemic analysis of the eye, particularly of what resources the eye needs to produce an object from colors and shapes in the visual field. Name and form is therefore the origin of the sixfold sphere, much like atmospheric variables like moisture, molecular properties of H2O, temperature, pressure, and so on, are the origin of clouds. They are really the same thing at different levels of resolution. The aggregates, the six-fold sphere, and name and form are similar in representing the world with attention to mental constructedness, but each has a different secondary function. The aggregates secondarily provide a simple basis for reflection and contemplation and meditation. The sixfold sphere secondarily undercuts the metaphysics of contact, providing a way to understand contact as mediated procedurally by the senses without reference to a self. Name and form secondarily provides the deepest account of cognitive processing that produces the objects that we naively take to be real and of substantial existence in the world out there. Just see the world with all its gods, fancying a self where none exists, entrenched in name and form, it holds the conceit that this is real. It might seem puzzling, that name and form already embeds the downstream links of contact and feeling within itself. However, this kind of conditionality is also present when we say that the function of the whole body is a necessary condition for the function of the lungs, which is already part of the whole body, or that a healthy biosphere is necessary to support the health of individual organisms, like tree frogs and trees, which are parts of the biosphere. Moreover, this is the nature of entanglement. In fact, name and form is a stage on which the drama of all the downstream links play out, including contact, feeling, craving, appropriation, and becoming. It's the level of whole body or biosphere. The Dynamics of Name and Form The Buddha describes name and form cognitively as an interactive process among the diverse factors that we've listed that produces new outer content than when supplemented by cognizance and formations. 
the two immediately upstream links. Imagine a committee charged with, say, organizing a marketing campaign. Such a committee has a typical cast of characters. Form is the data guy, always ready with facts and figures, however vague. This is the only input from outside into the windowless committee room. Feeling is the most expressive member who constantly chimes in with, Oh, I don't like that. Now you're talking. Yuck. And that blows me away, as well as an array of facial expressions and full-body gestures, including a simulated gagging and, new to her repertoire, a feigned heart attack. Perception is the analytical member who is adept at spotting patterns in the data and in the ongoing products of analysis, the guy who notices. Intention is the one who needs to get the feel of something to put herself in the driver's seat and take it for a spin, but ultimately the one who comes up with plans of action. Contact is the most self-assured among the committee members about what is going on out there, known to pound his fist on the table and assert, and that's a fact. Finally, attention is the meeting facilitator in charge of the agenda with getting all of the other members to focus on one issue at a time. A committee functions as an interactive process, a negotiation with individual members, each with specialized qualifications allowed to make proposals and respond to critique and counterproposals from other members. As a group, they bounce around alternative proposals and try to reach a decision which cognizance will endorse. The Buddha describes this process with respect to the interaction between form and name, the latter also known as the group of five. But it seems that the interactive process also characterizes the interactions within the name group. Emotions run high within this committee in which contact leads to feeling, feeling to craving, craving to appropriation and appropriation to becoming, and the committee finds itself continuing these negotiations even in the next life and beyond until sound Buddhist practice reaches fruition. The committee room of name and form is a place in which the whole chain can be seen to unfold. For the Buddha, form represents what's in the visual field, like colors and shapes, but invites further analysis by producing an impingement impression, patigasampasa, which provides input to the name elements. Impingement impressions suggest the impact of a physical force, as if from outside. In fact, it provides the most direct evidence that there is an out there. Name represents conceptualizations that presume content inspired by form and invites verification by producing a designation impression, 
Adiwachana Sampasa, which provides input to form, bringing certain aspects of it into sharper conceptual focus. An interactive process between name and form thereby proceeds as a negotiation mediated by designation impression and impingement impression. Bhikkhu Bodhi describes such a process as an oscillation between reception, form, and response, name, where form as sense perception brings content within the range of the designation impression. I find the Buddha's description of the interaction between name and form components quite elegant. If those various characteristics by which name or conceived were absent, would there be any corresponding discernment of designation impression with regard to form? No. If those various characteristics by which form were conceived were absent, would there be any corresponding discernment of impingement impression with regard to name? No. If those various characteristics by which both kinds were conceived were absent, would there be any corresponding discernment of either designation or impingement impression with regard to name? No. In short, nothing is discerned in form without name, and name can discern nothing without form. Impingement impression initiates a bottom-up process of conceptualization, and designation impression initiates a top-down process of verification. The resulting independence between name and form rules out the common assertion that form is physical and name mental. In fact, the content of both name and form events is typically physical, while all the cognitive events themselves are mental. Form, until it is conceptualized, seems to be much like peripheral vision. The eye is narrowly focused within the visual field at any one time, but even as it is focused on a perceived and named object, we are vaguely aware of shapes and colors at the periphery or background without conceptualizing them. It's been noted that peripheral awareness does not seem to have been acknowledged by the Buddha, though it does seem to affect how we perceive what is in focus. For instance, if a blue and wavy texture is present in the unnamed periphery, an object in focus is likely to be perceived as a boat rather than as a car. In any case, the periphery remains untouched by name or by cognizance, whose content is conceptual or nameable. As a final illustration of how the committee of name and form collude in the production of conceptual content, consider how a young child encounters his first rubber ball. He looks, that's form, he finds something interesting in the blur of colors and shapes. That's feeling. He discerns red and round, perception. He takes the lollipop out of his mouth and lays it on the shag rug where the dog likes to sleep and turns his undivided attention in that direction. That's attention. 
He imagines what he finds there to be an object out there that's contact. He cries out in delight that's more feeling. He smells it, touches it, more form, and recognizes some of its qualities, more perception. He tries to eat it, rolls it on the floor, picks it up, intention, assesses its weight, texture, and sponginess, perception once again. He drops it, more intention, watches it bounce and roll, perception. It becomes a ball, an oh-so-real contact, soon craving, mine, possessiveness, and the rest flood the mind. After a few such encounters with this wondrous plaything, he will effortlessly perceive ball at a glance as a full-fledged object with an array of intrinsic properties. There's a question we should keep in mind for the various factors of name and form. We can watch them in the committee meeting of our own minds as they collude to produce our experience of the world out there, then take it as real as consisting of fixed, substantial objects ripe for craving and appropriation. With regard to reliability, we have no access to natural reality except through the reports of the committee. We can, however, ask, do these dunderheads really know what they're doing? Being able to ask that question is the value of understanding name and form. This is another step in recognizing the insubstantiality of the world, watching the mind construct it. We'll stop here for now. Next week, we'll look more closely at this committee that makes up name and form and how its members interact with one another to produce our sense of what's out there.